we go. Hello! We are the Brothers Geek. Welcome to our podcast. My name is Patrick Schmaltz with my two brothers, Christopher Schmaltz. Hello, Christopher. Hello. And Andrew Schmaltz. Hello, Andrew. Hello. We're... To all you people out there, and especially those of you watching on YouTube. Yes. Hello, hello, YouTubers. Hello. You can see our faces. You can see our you faces. See... Chris has the super villain filter on. You can't see his lair. Where yeah, he yeah. Is. He's not, you're not allowed to know. He's got. Spider. He's got all the. Uh, he's got all those top secret uh, files uh, that he can't show to the public. You got the Mar. You got the Mar-a-Lago files. Those oh, are we call? I mean. I never. I didn't even know what the fuck Mar-a-Lago was until this all this bullshit started happening. So it's like this is like Watergate, right? The Mar-a-Lago files, it's, it's, dude. It is bigger than Watergate. It's, this is this is potentially treason. This is yeah. an ex-president or potentially the president while he was president committing treason. Welcome to the selling, Brothers Geek selling Politics uh, Podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, am I am I wrong, Christopher? Do you assess this with the same kind of, you know, level that I do? This is potentially treason. The uh, if the allegations are proven true, yes, um, it, it it rises to that level. Yes. Yeah, this could be treason by oh. an ex-president. Uh, I hate that motherfucker so much. <laughs> all right, all right, calm down, calm down. Just, uh, <laughs> we make no secret about our politics on this podcast. No, yeah, it's true. It's true. We're uh, we're very we much... bring our whole we bring our whole selves to this podcast. Uh, I mean, that's right. we don't talk about Chris's job because we don't do that, but mm-hmm. uh, we bring our whole selves to this podcast. Yes, that's yes, true. We do. That's true. Um, so. We are continuing our House of the Dragon Hot D uh, coverage. This is episode three. The episode is called uh, The Second of His Name. Uh, yeah. And this, this is, the title is obviously referring to the boy Aegon Targaryen, uh, which I, I, I want to I credit Screen Crush for this. Uh, Screen Crush, uh, a YouTuber that I watch, breaks down breaks down episodes of things this is really fun to watch by the way uh that that uh john snow was aegon the sixth uh so this is aegon the second uh and so if you are keeping track i'm definitely keeping track i, I actually found myself googling uh targaryen family tree today um, to try to see and figure out what the hell is going on because they are fast and loose with all these names, and uh, I was trying to. Hey, what's going to be even? What's going to be even better if they stick with how the book, like Fire and Blood, and how the characters are named in the book versus how they're going to be. There's this is Aegon the Elder. Rhaenyra is going to have start having kids, and she's going to name one of her kids Aegon too. Wow. Yeah, it's going to get. Yeah. <laughs> So the amount so, of the amount of Targaryens. Oh yeah, is, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoil- spoilers now. for the third episode. By the way, if you if you didn't know, we're doing we're doing this. I hope I hope that if you're listening by now, you're yeah. We're we're spoiling the episode. We're talking about everything. Um. Uh, speaking of uh, Rhaenyra, like this is two years later. Um, almost and, three, three al- years later. Almost three years later, the little the little boy is celebrating his second birthday. You're right. So, yeah. so he's there. The main, the main like moment of the episode is, 
this king's hunt for the son's the the son's second name day um mm-hmm. and they're hunting a stag and there's all these overlapping houses and we're introduced to a lot of new characters and different houses we actually got to like i actually found out the name of that other lord who's part of the uh the 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 council the king's council is lord strong and he has two sons that are pictured in this episode for a second and actually we're just getting in the weeds about houses and stuff though but one of them is the clubfoot guy so if you're wondering what 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 that was all about where he was like wanting to sit with the ladies he like comes in and sits down yeah. and sits in a chair that's that's one of lord strong's kids um and there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about um there's a lot of talk about what's happening in the the what, what, what are those islands called the the, the fingers the stone the step stones step stones the, yeah the, so the Daemon, Daemon and Corlys Valerion's war against the Crab Beater yeah. and the and his allies from the Three Cities has been going on for a couple of years now, and the war is not going well. Mm-hmm. And the feeling among the uh, soldiers who are fighting the war is that the reason it's not going well is because Daemon is is because of Daemon. They are like he is not a capable, or they they're fighting the war his way and they're losing, and um well they they figured out ways to like neutralize the use of the dragons they they hide in caves and they don't they don't make open battle and things like that whereas if right you put they're not they're not the field, as useful the gal- right they're not they, yeah, they, they're, they're not hiding useful. in the island caves and they're able to hold out and then. Yeah. So Corliss and Damon are fighting this war. They're not going, it's not going well. They have essentially, through like side, through like back channels, have essentially said, you know, we need the help of the Iron Throne. We need the help of the king. And Viserys is reluctant to give it for all the reasons that, you know, he's reluctant to do anything. He's always reluctant to I do mean, anything. I mean, he's kind of an interesting... Like, they've gone kind of an interesting direction. I really liked him in the first couple episodes, and I feel like this one, it was sort of like... He just, like... He just wanted to have his, like, son's birthday, and he just... He was so over it, right? He was, like, over everybody talking to him about it, over people wanting him to do something about it, over, like, wanting, like, wanting some action... And he just wanted to like celebrate us, his son, and and go on a hunt, and I I thought that was kind of, and then it even came to the point where he gets drunk, and he starts uh, spouting off to his lords, and I didn't really understand. Maybe I have to rewatch it. What was the scene with him and like Allison around the fire? Like, what was he talking about? He was talking about like how he was having visions. He um, had a vision. Yeah. He had a vision, of a dream of uh, a son that was born to him. And he's tormented by all the stuff that he did in response and in furtherance of that dream by continuing to try to have children with his now deceased wife. Mm. And it torments him because... He was so driven by that dream that ultimately 
he sacrificed his wife in order to have that male child who died shortly thereafter. And so the whole point of that speech was about I he, he's realizing that all those decisions that he made have caused all this anguish for him and for his daughter not to the benefit of anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife is dead. Uh, and so questioning the dreaming and pursuing the dreaming is at the heart of that speech saying, and I think it solidifies for him that I've made the right decision um, in naming her my heir and not not changing immediately to Aegon the second. Oh yeah, you're you're bringing up something too. There's there's a lot of push in this episode that like there's a boy there's a boy heir now from other lords. Like you're gonna name this guy your heir, right? That you're gonna name like it came up like three times, and by the end of it, he's saying I'm not changing. You're still my heir. Like I'm not naming him. He says that to her. He says that to her. Right, he, she's, he, he's also trying to marry her off, and she's like, they're, they're definitely going through some stuff. These, these two, the uh, Rhaenyra and Viserys, like, he's trying to marry her off. We get introduced to a, a Lannister, Jason Lannister, and we also had another Lannister too. I, I, I missed his name. I thought he said Tully at first. Tyland. Tyland. Thank you. Thailand. Tyland. Tyland. Thailand mm-hmm. Lannister. They're identi- identical twins. Appar- yeah, probably played by the same actor. I would uh, I would guess. Um, and they. Viserys well, is taking the position of, you're of age, you need to marry, for the same reason that I had to marry, was that it makes our house stronger. Right. Like you alone are vulnerable. But if you marry yourself to a strong lord, this is this is the justification he gives her at the end. He says, if you marry yourself to a strong lord, he will support you. And start having you, kids. And start having kids, exactly. Right. It's like, you know, solidify your claim to the throne, which I'm going to back up. I'm not naming a new heir. But when you marry, you start to have your own children. It only strengthens your position as the heir and as the future queen to well, do that. And there's a bit of a turmoil up until the end when he says the line that actually like surprised her. And I, I will say that like the acting in the show is like amazing because you can actually like like see the surprise in, in the in her face of you can you can marry who you want. Pick somebody good. Like like and that's kind of amazing to me because these guys, I mean, like, lords and ladies in, like, history, like, had to marry whoever their parents told them to, right? And it's sort of, like, this is your duty as the royal family. This is, like, very common throughout history, people marrying each other off for alliances. French and English kings marrying off their daughters, marrying to form alliances with other countries. Any, any, yeah, monarchies? Any, you know, yes. Yeah. yeah. Any it, inherited monarchy. Yes, throughout history, that was how you built. Very the common, very, very common throughout history. So it's kind of surprising that it's sort of like uh, marry whoever you want, pick somebody good, you know, and marry who who you want. I I don't care. I just oh, want you to be happy. He, he just wants her to be happy too. He even says that a couple of times. 
So well, and uh, he chose Alicent because he wanted her. Right, right, he right. He was like, she will be a good wife to me. I like her. He, yeah, he so wants to be I'm happy. Her. Yeah, she's a she comes from a powerful. Andrew, how many generations to Baratheon from now? How In many the... how many generations from where we're at until Robert Baratheon? Yes, maybe ten or fifteen. Oh, oh wow, that's many. Okay, it's two hundred years later. That's not ten generations. I think it's it's that's probably it's probably like six. It's it's a yeah there because there's Aegon you know. I don't know. Their family tree. I have to send you this picture that I found. The family tree is 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 really hardcore. Like it, it's all over the damn place. Um, and I, it, I mean, George R. R. Martin is like a genius for this stuff. He, he, Dude, they tell the story of the Blackfire rebellions where King Daron the second or something. He had like forty illegitimate children. Mm-hmm. Some of them high bastards, where he just he had sex with whoever he wanted. Basically, he probably had a lot of ra- it was probably a lot of rape, but or you know, <laughs> oh, fuck, <laughs> yeah. But he like he had high ba- he had high bastards where he would have sex with and have children with women of station, and then he had low bastards. Anyone, anyone having sex with a king who that he's not married to is yes, probably right. by definition rape, dude. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. So he had. They are not, not in a consensual no, relationship. You're right. They can't say no to the king. They can't say but, no. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, but the black he legitimizes he legitimizes all of his bastards on his deathbed, and they take they form the house Blackfire, which becomes there's a series of wars across like twenty or thirty years of all of the Blackfire bastards trying to take the throne from the Targaryens. This is like a hundred years from where we're talking right now. So so I just sent you the the picture I found that was pretty good of the the Targaryen uh dynasty. I'm trying to find Yeah, I've looked I've seen this picture the, the, before. Yeah, and it's pretty good. It's color and it's pretty it's pretty so uh pretty... the Harris we're only so we're on the third generation Jaehaerys was king for fifty years, sixty years. So okay, yeah, the series, the and then it, yeah, there it's like it's like sort of in the middle there. One, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, seven, seven generations. Seven generations. Until until... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot, and they keep like marrying off other people, and this person marries and having sex. Spoilery. With this... This picture is very spoilery. So um yes. Um so is uh, it? Yes, dude. If you don't want to know sort of how things play out. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, oh, sorry. Look up the picture. <laughs> um let the show sort of tell you how things play out, uh, but this is spo- a spoilery photo. Yeah. <laughs> of of the time of the sort of the family tree. Yes. So okay, it's a good point. Let's, it's a good point. I'm sorry. So there's a lot. Of, <laughs> I mean, this, the, we should Thrones, link to it. We should link yeah, to it in the we'll show notes. It. But yeah, I caution anyone watching or listening. Yeah, exactly. If you don't want to be spoiled. Yes. Don't click the link because it, <laughs> it will tell you what happens. See, exactly. see, yeah. It'll tell you who wins yeah, the, yeah. Dan- the Targaryen civil war. 
Uh, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, so, truth is, nobody, nobody wins the Targaryen. Nobody wins. And that's nobody a big part of what's being teed up. Yeah. Well, well, let me let me see. Let me see if I... Uh... Well, and so um, think something that I wanted to bring up, and I mean, we, you talked about the acting and how good everybody's been so far. Millie Alcock as young Rhaenyra continues to be awesome. Mm-hmm. In her role, um, she has won me over onto the Council of the Blacks, which is what she'll be, you know, the the conflict that eventually arises that leads to the Civil War. It's the Blacks and the Greens are the two that end up fighting against each other. You can tell, you can, from that, you can infer who we're talking about. Um, Well, and... Millie Millie Alcock is so good as young Rhaenyra. They're going to be, there's going to be a big time jump, and... Emma Corwin, I think, is her name. I may be getting that name wrong. Um, and I'm sorry, she's not a her. They're they are not a, a her. They are non-binary. Um, will take over the role, and I expect they will be wonderful as well because Rhaenyra is such a great character. Um, there, there's um, yeah, it's uh, like we only get like one more episode, I think, with her, and then and, gonna, then and then we get the time jump. Years. So there's gonna be a 15 years or so time jump. 15 years that big. Yeah. Wow. 10 or 15 years, I think. I mean, uh, uh, so so this is something that like Game of Thrones never did. It was it was very like, you know, linear linear like time. I don't I I'd like this anger better. Your right side is your best. I oh, guess so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so it, it's like Game of Thrones was like very in the moment, not like we've talked about the flashbacks, but like this has been like 6 month jump in some cases. And then now our two-year jump. This episode starts off with like a three, two, two, three-year, three, 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 years. three years jump. So, so uh, it, it's 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 kind of fascinating that like in three years they're still fighting. I guess like the crab feeder. Like this is basically the you know this is basically the end of the crab feeder in this episode. Like the 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 I've seen the joke. Did you post that, Andrew? Like like. With Damon on one side and like uh, um, Bran Stark, Bran Stark on one, on the other, and it says knows how knows how to uh, knows zigzag. how to, knows how to zigzag doesn't know how to zigzag. Like yeah, it's like what do we th- what did, I mean? We're jumping ahead, but what did we think about that scene with Damon and how he how he eventually wins the war? Basically, how do we what do we think about that? I I mean, as a piece of like action filmmaking, I thought it was great. Yeah, oh yeah, for a piece of action, it was pretty good. I wish I would have been able. I mean, for the first time seeing that other dragon, we didn't really. I didn't get a good look at him. Is it is the dragon white? The dragon is a, like a gray. Purple. His name is Sea Smoke. Oh, I saw purple. It was purplish. Maybe purplish, like in the wings or something. He's got, he's got, a, but his name is Sea Smoke. Sea Smoke. Sea Smoke. Yep. Uh, yeah. Like I would have loved like a really like a showcase shot of oh, what the dragon looked like. Uh, he'll be back. Okay, good, good, because I I wanted to see I wanted to see more of that. Yeah. Lenor Valerian will play a very big role. I like how come. they're slow rolling introducing all the dragons too it's sort of like they're just there and like we don't even know that that guy's a dragon rider too it's like there's dragons everywhere guys like there's there's a well, bunch that, that, he's the son of corliss valerian and rainus targaryen so he has old valerian blood and he has dragon rider blood through his mother mm. so he's definitely got that 
you know, heredity to be able to be a dragon rider. To answer your question, Andrew, however, that scene was ridiculous. It was awesome. Yeah. It was not in a, no, not in a good way. Oh, because, you like it? No, because he, you know, waves the white flag, they surround him, and the crab feeder uh, uh, army, they're the worst archers in the history of archery. It's true. It's true. Give me, give me a break, dude. He's not wearing a helmet. He's not, and he violates our rule. He's not wearing a helmet. Not wearing a helmet. Straight up. <laughs> I mean, Orlis Valerian and his that, sons were wearing helmets that, when they came yeah, to his rescue. That, that's, but that that scene is, in my opinion, awful. Well, really? also, okay. also, there's a there's a moment that I had where he took three arrows. And he yeah. get, and he gets up and yeah. he goes and he kills the crab feeder and then he and goes running off and we don't even get to see it like like we don't get like dude like you got three arrows in you bro like how how good of a fighter are you and it's a sword arm it's not like adrenaline adrenaline can do a lot adrenaline um, can I, do I, a lot I guess so I, I guess so I appreciated that part of it because I appreciated the the idea behind the the decision-making in that attack. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you hopefully here's what I understood with regard to that is, is that this is their opportunity to shame the king um, mm -hmm. because the king waits until the last minute sends, it tells his brother he's sending help to save him. And Damon comes up with this idea to, um, do a, a final attack. This is the way to sort of draw them out and then surprise, surprise, another dragon. But it's really person-on-person -person combat that ends the fight. Mm -hmm. and, and Damon's whole thinking around that is that A, it solidifies his position and B, um, highlights the ineptitude of the current king. So I'm okay with not showing the the point of that whole scene is not about killing the crab feeder. The point of it is power dynamic. That's all yeah. it is. Well, so that, that's I mean, what, yeah, go ahead. Andrew. That's what that's what Game of Thrones really does at its what it's really really good. It does that yep. the best. Yep. These yep. personal these personal moments that lead to huge political implications in the power struggles of the show. The you know the the, you know, Daemon being this, you know, military commander and, you know, famed warrior and his brother being anything but and how that will, what kind of implications that will have going forward. The fact that, you know, he's this dynamic, charming individual who no. gets people to follow him and this, Viserys is kind of, you know, boring, essentially. This, is my, this leads to my question for the both of you. Mm directly related to that so i want to hear your opinion on this do you think damon has been sandbagging for three years like he constructed this opportunity for himself he could have he could have ended the fight in six months wow but he he has been sandbagging waiting for the moment for his brother to do something specifically for this moment it fits with his whole i mean 
he does a lot of things to get his brother's attention. <laughs> he's like, he's, you know, he per- the whole Mishigas on Dragonstone, the whole, like, you know, looking for opportunities on the small council to have a place of authority. His care, I mean, I, I, ab- I, I absolutely could. He's like, it, it absolutely could be. He did not choose to fight the war. His the one, brother, you know, the, the one, the one, his brother was in a position to have him to rescue him. The yeah. one, the one, the one That's hitch. Wild, that, and I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. The one hitch in your, in your theory, Christopher, is when the, when the, the letter shows up at the war council and he hands it to him and he reads it, he beats the the messenger to death because he's pissed that his brother's going to show up. I think that he didn't anticipate that. I think that he's mad that his brother is coming to save him. And this is a desperate, like, we got to end this because I have to be the victor. Like, I don't, I, I think that that scene is or telling. Either it's like, like, I win this war or I'll be dead and I don't care. I think that's it's what weird. that was, is... is I don't want my brother to come save me. Like I can't have my brother come save me. I and and screw that guy. Let's do this. And I'm gonna go. No dragon. Get them to come out. We have a big fight, and we finally we sort this out. And and, well, and you know their back it, pocket it, is they got another dragon rider. You it know further illustrates just how kind of complex and how the motivations within Damon are kind of like always fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Like he wants the respect of his brother, but he wants to be on his, he wants to stand on his own two feet. He thinks he's, you know, he's openly challenging to his brother's authority, but no one else can even speak a word against his brother in his presence. Mm-hmm. Things like that, you know, all the complexity that well, involves. It, like there, it's still, there's still Targaryens. That's the fascinating part of this thing is, like they still have respect for each other, like like in the second episode, uh, like Rhaenyra shows up to talk to her uncle, and she was the one who got the egg back. Like they talk, they talk to each other like differently than they talk to everybody else, and and they're they're like a cut above, and that's what's fascinating about like it's a we're we're following this this house that has like a similar kind of love that we had for the Starks, but. The difference is these guys actually are in control of everything. Everybody, everybody's secondary to them versus the Starks who are like, we're tough, but like we've been taught to fight for good. And that's ends up getting us killed. You know? Well, yeah. And they're, they're, the Starks are perfectly content to sit in Winterfell and, you know, keep the peace, you know, right, carry right. on the family name. Don't, don't do get right involved by in their, politics. Right, by the right, right. You know, protect yeah. the North. Um, they're perfectly content to do that. The Targaryens le- have a legitimate divine belief right. that they should rule Westeros. Right, right, and they are. I mean, and no one from... questions that power. Like no one's trying to kill the king. No one's trying to. They're trying to get. The minute him... they do that, they're just going to get smoked. Like, they're just going to get smoked. The house are going to blur or burn your castle down. Your cat. Your your castle is done, bro. Like. Yeah. 
You know Hall? Check that shit out. That's what your house it's, will it's be. The, the generation, yeah. I mean, that's why they didn't tear it down and build a new one. It almost yeah. it serves it serves as a living example of you think you're safe in your castle. Well, the greatest castle on the continent right. got completely smoked yeah, by right. dragons. The, it, it, I love that dynamic that you're talking about, Chris. That it's sort of like these guys. They're they're just all sort of different with each other. They don't insult each other. They do, they all talk to each other differently. And that's that's what the show is doing really well, and I, I'm I'm just uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it actually. Um, yeah, I'm I'm surprised at how much how good I think how good I feel about this show already. Just three episodes in, and it feels like the best of Game of Thrones already for me. Yeah, it's like really good. Like season, I feel like season two they started to get more money, and they like started to figure out what they were doing. Season two of Game of Thrones is like amazing. Like it's season like, two and season three is when se- they really kind season of season two. The right, they yeah. had way more budget. They 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 were way popular. Season two and season three were like a ama- like really good television. Sure. They've learned from those good seasons. Yeah, you know, with art storytellers, and the, the dragons are just icing on the cake. If yeah, you, yeah. If you tell a good story and you have compelling characters good or bad if they're compelling people will watch and people will be interested in decisions that they make and motivations for why they're doing what they do and um and that's uh, it, this the first three this episode was phenomenal for all of that yeah show don't tell right um and so it was it the scenes in the in the king's wood are phenomenal because of all the symbolism and all of the 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 politics and the exhaustion by the king and all of that is subtext for all of this this tension involving power Mm, and that's what that's what it that's what it is it's all sort of pieces associated with power and who has it who can get it who can keep it and who's losing it and the fatal flaw of viserys is that he equates inaction with peace he wants peace. Yep. And he sees it as okay, well if I don't do anything or don't make a decision, that'll maintain the status quo. And that is a fatal decision making. He's tricked himself into thinking that inaction will everything'll blow over or it'll resolve itself in some way. And ultimately, when he makes a good decision, it's too late. Yeah. Um, and so what what is going to happen, as is predicted by this world and is, I think, in history, is that if he really does stick to Rhaenyra's as the heir, the, the and as we sort of alluded to, it leads to it leads to it doesn't lead to peace. Um, and so that that is Everyone who's around him understands that sort of inaction leads to chaos um, or decisions um, that he may not like, that nobody may like, are going to translate to because human beings are greedy for power um, and preserving power. And that's where we're headed because he's his inability to make those decisions that are in the sort of utilitarian Mm-hmm. He he's not thinking utility. He's he's not thinking in terms of a utilitarian approach. He's thinking in terms of what's in the lo- out of love, 
and and that it's it's a fascinating commentary on leadership and power um because if you make decisions based upon self-interest and things like love um there will be always be people who will um take advantage of you yep um yeah i i, I noticed i noticed there wasn't uh any mention in this episode this is the first mention that the king isn't like injured in some way like the first episode he had that thing on his back and then the other one he had like that cut on his finger that was like rotting and it's like did he still have his finger like we didn't really get an answer to that like i I didn't notice but yeah you're right i made note of the fact that they didn't there was this was an episode where they didn't highlight an ongoing just as i mean he just the fact that he got drunk and he was hung over but right right you know uh, that's just really another not, way to highlight his moving well because they put stairs next to his horse. Yeah, he oh, was, and, he, and he could not. He's weak. He could he not is. kill that stag with one stab of that spear. Yeah, yeah. that's an interest. There, there's an interesting dynamic there that you're talking about, Christopher. Is like he, he is, he is not able to kill the stag with one spear. But we see Damon, who's like charging down. 20 dudes and taking three arrows and still killing the the bad guy so it's like just juxtaposed with Rhaenerys right and surviving the boar attack yes Um, she's willing to kill if 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 pushed you know it's like letting the white stag the white heart live yes yes uh fascinating like she and and, like is there a lot of lore I, I don't remember white stag stuff from Game of Thrones uh, is there any lore that you remember, Andrew, from the books uh, about the white the white stag stuff, or is that just no, like it, mentioned briefly? I, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, the stag is the symbol of House Baratheon, so it's the uh, it's the it's the lar- you know the the largest, I guess, uh, indigenous um, horned animal on the continent. So it's mm. got this regal kind of bearing on it. Um, but that's just. I mean. It, in medieval history in general, a white stag happened with such rarity and, you know, it's the, it's, they're generally, you know, the most kind of regal of prey animals, you know, throughout kind of medieval history in general. But, um, there isn't anything specific that comes up in terms of like, it's just, it's a symbol of House Baratheon is the crowned stag. Right. Uh, The white stag in particular is mystical and, um, a white heart. Yeah. Uh, there is there's lots of mysticism around it and good tidings. And, there's uh, uh, there's a the big there's a big part of the show Shadow and Bone. If you guys watch that on Netflix, uh, there's a big white heart, magical white heart in that show too. So yeah, it's, it's kind uh, of the I, I suppose the stag and the 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 white heart is um, associated with kind of like the spirit of the forest too. In a mm. lot of in a lot of ways, they they can embody kind of a, a a perfect state of nature in a lot of it, different it, mythology. It, like, I don't know enough about, like, stags, but is it, or, or, like, hearts, but is is that, like, an albino? Or is it, like, uh, is it... It's like a white, it's like a white buffalo. It's, like, one of those extremely oh, rare okay. kind of okay. genetic mutations. But it's, it, it's like a, like, a variation of the one that he kills, right? It's not a, yeah. it's not, like, a snow, snow heart. That is no. like wandered south or something. Okay. Nope. Okay. That's genetic aberration. Genetic yeah. aberration, but it but because like they're medieval people, they see they see 
a white. Well, these are super superstitious people. And yes, yes. To go back to what Chris said at the very beginning regarding, we were talking about, excuse me, Viserys's dream and the prophecy that he thinks he has about having a son who will, you know, inherit and be important. Um, the Targaryens have a history of prophetic dreaming. Mm-hmm. Like the, they left old Syria because of. Uh, Targaryen had dreams that the doom was coming, so they sailed away. And Aegon had his dragon dream, where his his prophecy of a song of ice and fire. So this is Viserys believes in the prophetic power of dreams. He well, and, and I I think I think what's interesting is um, that like he had this prophetic dream, but like. If you don't have the context to understand the dream, then you sort of like misinterpret stuff like like the Targaryen that brings everybody. What's that? I said, welcome to human history, dude. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. It says like 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 the the Targaryen that brings everybody together is Jon Snow, not Daenerys. Like. But people don't know that well, he's the, a Targaryen. The, like he's the, an unknown Targaryen, but like he brings the, everybody together to fight the White Walkers. The like it's the prophecy his... in the yeah, they would not have defeated the White Walkers without Daenerys. Yeah, she but, had but the right, right, right. True, she, true. He brought her army. They would not have defeated the White. They would not have survived the Long Night if Daenerys had not. Well, I mean, Jon Snow bent the knee to her. She was queen of the Seven Kingdoms in his mind. I know, but like so he—he's she, the one. He the, the the, I mean, the the conversation, the conversation that that uh, Viserys has with Rhaenyra in the first episode says, "We have you have to unite the houses, otherwise we're not going to be able to survive together." Like, I. That's that's part of the prophecy is keeping everybody together, and Jon Snow is the one who gets everybody to and then, give and up, then get, get up. Like all your infighting and then, is bullshit. And then like, Daenerys, he bends the knee to Daenerys because he sees that she is the dragon queen. He has to to keep everybody together. Yeah, it's like, a smart move. Yeah, yeah, it's a smart move. But he's the one who pushes. He's seen beyond the wall. Now I want to watch. Have, now I want to watch like one through war. five. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> They would not have won the war without Daenerys and her dragons, bud. Uh, And her Dothraki and uh, her Unsullied. I mean, the White Walkers wouldn't have gotten through the wall without her being a dumbass. So, so... They would have just just been on the other side of the wall forever. They went north of the wall to save Jon. So, yeah. Season six since... What is it? Seven and eight? Seven and eight. Her personal choice to save Jon's life led to all that again it's the very it's these yeah. people making these very intimate personal choices that have huge power ramifications 100 percent, 100 percent. uh i had one more thing that i uh so i love a good bard whenever i see one in a show like this because because i feel like he was just sitting by the godswood like playing a little song um what I, I wish i could remember the lyrics there's something about a dragon's eye or something like that um beneath and, the dragon's eye she sailed with her people on their ships or whatever. Nymeria. Nymeria. He's singing about Nymeria. Well, warrior woman. Nice. Yep. Nice. Warrior that, queen. Is, that is symbolism. Yep. Like 
in your face symbolism and 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 she keeps telling him to sing it over and over again there's interesting yeah. dynamic between like now Alicent outranks her she's the queen yeah. uh, uh I, I i it's it's kind of like i love i love a good like court bard court jester in shows like this because like they're just they're just there to play music and like they're just caught up in all this bullshit i love yep. i love the bard from uh from the Witcher, you know. So, anyways, um, I love the, I I've the memes and the jokes associated with Rhaenyra being like in a lonely, isolated, sad place, and having this musician can play her favorite song over and over and over. <laughs> it's just like every teenage girl through yes, history, yes. playing in their room, like reading a book and like hitting repeat on their player because <laughs> they're sad. Oh, they yeah. want to listen to sad music. I love it. I love that. Yeah. I just yeah. was thinking about like all the servants who had to like carry all that shit out and then clean it up after she's done. Or did they leave it out there? There's no way they leave it out there. It'd be covered in water. It'd be like yeah, do not her nine pillows and like her yes. four. They had to carry and... that shit out and clean it up every night. And I feel I feel for those servants who had to do that. That we did. Yeah, they got a job. They're they getting got, three they got meals a, job. a day and a place to sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. They get to sleep in the 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 castle, the red key, the red key. Yeah. and and you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's all my notes. Do you guys have anything else to say? Nope. Damon returns to King's Landing next week. I saw that. I saw yeah, that. Things could heat up next week. So I just want to say, to uh, uh, Sir Sir Christian Cole in the episode again. He's still there. Watch. I'm watching you, motherfucker. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching. Like, I know. I know something's coming. I'm watching. So, anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew's going to do trivia at the end of all these. So, give him send send him emails about uh, uh, House of the Dragon trivia, Hot D trivia, uh, King and Lord fifty two at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, brothers underscore geek, brothers underscore geek at twitter.com. Brothers geek dot com, brothers geek podcast at gmail.com. Brothers what? Geek Do Stuff on Instagram. Brothers Geek Do Stuff. You guys did some stuff this weekend. You both went to two different cons. Do you want to briefly share your experiences uh, at these cons? How was, how was Tucson Comic Con, Chris? It was great. Um, uh, lots of people, enthusiastic people, lots of uh, cool booths. As always, There's, um, I love our people. So um, I uh, felt right at home. Um had a great conversation with the uh, one booth where people made custom-made dice towers. Oh, uh, dope. Local Tucson. Um, what's, uh, what's the material? Wood. Oh, okay. Yeah. They make, uh, them out, they make them out of all kinds of stuff. Do you know what a dice tower is, uh, Andrew? I have no concept of what a dice tower is. It's cool. Here, it, here, I'll show you my dice tower. I have it right here. Uh, a, a, a thing that you put your dice into to uh, ensure randomization of your roll. Ah, and it's called a tower. Dice tower, yeah. Okay. Here, here, I'll show you. Cool. So, uh, it's, it's a nice piece of... they And they, they, they're the ones that they had on display were super cool. So. Okay. I will um, keep, keep talking. And uh, <laughs> Artist Ellie was uh, Kira, you know,